You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day, we study God's Word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church, and while you're there, download our free mobile app. There's a digital Bible on there. There's all of our teachings an online community that you can be a part of. It's just a great resource to have with you. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications, leave a five-star review, which many of you have lately. I appreciate that very much. It all helps us to move this study forward and get it in front of more people. And why is that important? It's because God's Word changes everything. And a special th- uh, thank you to all of you that have left a review, like a written review, on Apple Music. If you're listening, it's one of the platforms that we're seeing really grow. So if you listen on Apple Music, um, I believe that those uh, those reviews <clears throat> help us uh, to uh, maybe get found uh, in the way algorithms work. So if you are listening there or anywhere, leave a five-star review. And, and if you can leave a message on there about how this has blessed you, uh, please do so. It's blessed me as well. We're a year in. Yesterday was a year to the day that we started this. We're about 190 episodes in. I'm a guy who likes uh, uh, even numbers. Uh, I would have loved to have gotten to 200, but that's just, uh, I'm working on it, right? <laughs> My inner perfectionist. Um, but the, all, all good. So we are going through Matthew chapter 26, but I want to take a quick step back from our study out of Matthew. Um, in full transparency, part of the reason is I had more of a hectic morning than I had expected. Normally I get to the office nice and early, um, it's not that I haven't read these topics uh, and these chapters before, but I really like to meditate on what I want to, you know, bring out uh, of the word, what God will allow me to release. And this morning in particular, I just kind of rushed and ran into the office and I said, you know, I just don't want to feel rushed going into the last supper of all things, because I do think it's uh, uh, a very important part of Scripture, and I just I just didn't feel it in my spirit to do it. So what we're going to do today, uh, which I think will be equally as cool, and we'll get to the, um, <clears throat> we'll get to the uh, last supper tomorrow, is talk about the Passover meal on, it, on its own, because there's a lot of symbolism that is in the Passover meal. Uh, that is really, really powerful. Now, yesterday we studied the uh, betrayal of Judas, or the I would say the start of it. The, the betrayal happened in Judas's heart when he decided to uh, go ahead and take that step. And maybe it was when Mary poured the oil over Jesus's head. Maybe that was the last straw. I don't know. I wasn't in Judas's head at that time. It's fun to speculate, but we don't know for sure. But yesterday, we see Judas go to the chief priest and say, if I give him to you, what will I get? Right? So that was a uh, transaction that obviously caused uh, uh, Jesus to be betrayed. And, um, you know, really unfortunate for Judas. Judas walked with Jesus. Uh, Judas likely uh, was a a partaker in in some of the miracles. It was no doubt uh, one of the ones that were sent out to go house to house, uh, got to know Jesus intimately. Jesus trusted him enough uh, to allow him to uh, carry the 
carry the money. Now you may say, well, why did Jesus do that? Did Jesus not know? No, Jesus knew. Jesus knew how this was going to go. And that was a big part of what we studied yesterday, right? Jesus knew all this. Judas is with the chief priests selling him out and he's still continuing on because the mission was bigger. The mission was bigger than the betrayal. And that is super powerful. And like we said yesterday, the magnitude of the betrayal really points to the magnitude of God's love for us. You know, despite our own betrayals, and every single single one of us has betrayed God in some way, has betrayed uh, each other in some way, but God loves us anyway, and God's plan continues anyway. And I'll just say this at the outset. I believe every fiber of my being, which we'll study a little bit more tomorrow, I believe with every fiber of my being that Judas had an opportunity to repent, but he chose to regret. And there's a big message in there as well, right? He may be misunderstanding the nature of God, you know, regretted, and we'll get to what his fate ended up being. Most of us know already. Spoiler alert, he doesn't make it out of this alive. But let's go to the Passover meal, which is, again, just such a powerful depiction of what we call a type and shadow of Jesus. And we, we've used that term several times on this program. A type and shadow is basically when something happens and it's a foreshadowing of what is to come. We see this in many, many cases in the, trend, in the Old Covenant, right, is the type and shadow of what happens in the New Covenant, right, of, of, of what happens in the life of Jesus, right? Uh, one of them, right off the bat, we studied very early here in Matthew, is, you know, the Israelites going through the desert and being there for 40 years. They were in 40 years, in their 40 years, why? Because of their doubt, because of their murmuring, because of their lack of faith, and that caused delay in their life. Fast forward, Jesus is in the desert for 40 days. He got out of the wilderness real quick. How? He trusted the Father. We don't need to rehash all of Matthew chapter 4 now, but that was a, the whole concept of being in the wilderness and being in the desert was a type and shadow of what was to come. And we see it a ton in the book of Exodus. Exodus is the, is the uh, Israelites leaving <clears throat> the bondage of Egypt and going into ultimately their, their freedom, but there was a long period of wilderness in between. And the Passover celebration, now I don't claim to be a, an expert on a lot of this, but I do want to study this because, because it's what Jesus was planning. Jesus was planning to have the Passover feast with his disciples, and that is the Last Supper. So the Passover meal, also known as the Seder, is a ritual feast that marks the beginning of the Jewish holiday of Passover, right? Which commemorates, again, the Israelites' exodus from Egypt, as described in the book of Exodus. The meal itself is rich in symbolism and tradition, and we're just going to go through a couple of those points here today. And we're going to briefly describe what some of the components of the meal are, what they meant originally, and 
we're going to take a look at what they what they really represented in the fulfillment that came through Jesus. Remember, all that was prophesied, all that was foretold, was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus in himself, and this is what Matthew really tries and, and does a great job of to put forward, because the, the Gospel of Matthew, which we are, have been reading now for quite some time, is really a gospel that's written specifically to the Jewish population. And Jesus, uh, Matthew, excuse me, makes the connection uh, that Jesus is the better Moses. That Moses, Moses himself, we talk about type and shadows, Moses was a type and shadow of Jesus. So let's talk a bit about the Passover meal, the Seder, where families and friends get together and remember where they came from in their lineage. Let's talk about a couple of the components on the table of the Passover meal. The matzah. A lot of us know what the matzah is, right? The unleavened bread symbolizes the haste which the Israelites left Egypt, not having time to even let their bread rise. <laughs> they had to get out of Egypt and get out of there quick. The interesting thing is, is that they, they had enough time and, and the Egyptians were so uh, hasty to get them out of there that the Egyptians actually gave them uh, a bunch of food and provisions and everything. They basically pillaged Egypt on the way out. And it's a great study. We won't get too far into it today, but I think maybe we should turn to the book of Exodus at some point, maybe after the book of Acts next, uh, we could do that um, because we can make a lot of connections to the gospel like we're doing today. But it was amazing how the Egypt, uh, how the e Israelites, the second that they ran out of the provisions from Egypt and had to trust God fully, they immediately started murmuring and wanted to go back to Egypt. And we do that a lot of times in our life too, right? We, we take things from our past, and when those things aren't there anymore and we have to fully rely on God, we are very tempted to go back to those things. And Egypt always represents slavery going forward, right? But the unleavened bread has really some symbolism. One is the haste in which the Israelites had to leave, but also unleavened uh, has its own uh, own symbolism, because as we studied a little while back, the when Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, yeast, which is really what makes bread rise, we like yeast because it makes the bread yummy, but really what it is, it's kind of fermenting and part of the breakdown process, so it represents corruption. So they left with unleavened bread, and we know that when they, when they were in the wilderness, they continued to eat unleavened bread, and God provided them with manna from heaven. The next item on the table of Passover is the maror, the bitter herbs. And these herbs represent the bitterness of slavery in Egypt, how bitter it must have been. It's, to be in bondage is a bitter place to be, physically and spiritually. Next is the caroset, which is the sweet paste it's a mixture of fruit and nuts and wine that symbolized the mortar that was used by the Israelites as slaves in their building process. So they actually have this sweet paste. Now, admittedly, I've never been to a Seder. I never have. I think it would be pretty cool. Uh, I have not been to one, um, but I, I find it fascinating that, uh, that all of these items represent things like this. The mortar used is how they worked so hard 
as slaves in building. And we know, to put it uh, lightly, you know, Egypt knew how to build things, um, but they did it on the backs of the Israelites. Next is the karpas, the green vegetable, parsley, celery, dipped in salt water. And the salt water has a representation of the tears that were shed in slavery. Next is the zaroa, which is the shank bone. It's a bone that symbolizes a sacrificial lamb whose blood was marked by the Israelites' houses during the plague, the final plague, right? The final plague was what? The death of all the firstborn. So much symbolism, type and shadow-wise here of Jesus, right? And what did the Israelites have to do? They, they, they took the, the blood of the lamb and put it over their doorpost. And by doing that, death passed them over. I'm sure that you can see the symbolism there, which we'll get into a little bit more here in the second. The uh, Betzah, and for all my Jewish brethren out there, if I'm pronouncing this wrong, cut me some slack, okay? <laughs> the Betzah was the roasted egg. It represented the final, uh, I'm sorry, the festival sacrifice offered in the temple. And also a symbol, symbol of mourning for the destruction of the temple. So as you may or may not know, Israel, unfortunately uh, for them, had the temple destroyed on several occasions, right? Most recently and finally, we talked about it at length, 70 AD, which was the final judgment and really was the culmination of the end of the age, right? The end of the old covenant. We studied that at length. You could go back and study, go through our Matthew. I would go through the end of Matthew chapter 23, all the way through the end of 25. And you could just go on and, and we've got, we've got hours of teachings on that, but it's really, really, really powerful stuff. Um, but that's what the roasted egg represents, right? The um, festival sacrifice offered in the temple and a symbol of mourning for the destruction of the temple. Then at the Seder table, there are four cups of wine. Each cup is drank at different points in the Seder, and it represents different themes like freedom, redemption, relationship with God. And finally, there's the reading of the Haggadah, which is the story of the Exodus. It's retold along with prayers, along with songs, along with discussions. Again, maybe one day I'll get invited to one. I would I would love to be a, a part of it, to really see it uh, firsthand. But that we see that the, this gathering to get together and remember a very difficult and dark time in the life of the Israelites' lineage, and ultimately, even as Christians, our own. The promises of Abraham, look, God promised Abraham that he would have descendants that would be uh, as numerous as the, the stars, as numerous as grains of sand, and grafted in through, actually, I would put it this way, all of the promises of Abraham go through Jesus, and that's the mystery of the gospel, right? That was unveiled, and it's not a mystery to us anymore, that the relationship between God and man is not with a single bloodline, but with all people. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor master. Everyone is equal in the eyes of Christ. All are equal in Christ. So as Jesus sits around this table, um, it's a really a fulfillment of the Passover symbols. The most glaring one is that he is the Lamb of God. They always had a Passover lamb that was sacrificed 
to save the Israelites, right? The sacrifice for the atonement of sins. And Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the, uh, takes away the sins of the world. Who was sacrificed for all of mankind. We talked about this as we saw Jesus walking through into the city of Jerusalem when they were all crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, that they're all carrying hundreds of thousands, at least tens of thousands, but probably hundreds of thousands of lambs to be slain for temporary removal of sins. And little did they know, riding on the back of a donkey, as it was prophesied in Zechariah, was the Lamb of God, the final lamb to be slain. So that is a huge symbolism, obviously, a type and shadow of, of what was to come, and that is the Passover lamb. And Jesus is the lamb of God who sacrificed for us. Next is the unleavened bread. We go back to that. Being unleavened and, un- and striped. Unleavened, incorruptible. We just talked about how the yeast represents corruption. Well, the unleavened bread is uncorrupted bread. The symbolism there. And what is Jesus, right? He says, I will give you what the bread, I'm the bread of life. Perfect, sinless. And the fact that unleavened bread is, stri- is striped. We know that he was, he's about to go to the cross. And part of that process was him being whipped with a cat and nine tails and striped. All representative of the suffering. Next is the bitter herbs. The marar, recalling the bitterness of slavery. But it can also represent, what is slavery? What is, what is sin, really, but bondage and slavery to something that we really don't belong to? Symbolize the bitterness of sin, which Jesus came to redeem for all of humanity. And even the caroset, that sweet paste, the sweetness of it, represents the hope and sweetness of salvation. The contrast, the bitterness, and the sin of slavery. And I just, again, find it fascinating that they, that they even celebrate the paste or the mortar by which they were building. And, I, you know, this is just me talking here, but I just think about how, you know, all that time of them working so hard, ultimately Israel would have to build its own temple and have to build its own cities in the Promised Land. So... This sounds crazy, but, you know, maybe some of what they learned during that time really reflected itself in their ability to build and, be be- and build something beautiful. Again, you know, when they were all brought together to start to build the tabernacle and to build the, the, um, the temple, right? They were master craftsmen. And I don't know, maybe they picked some of that up while they were in Egypt, All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And how many of us can really think about the times where where really the struggle times in our life and really they gave us the skills and the know-how and the things that we went through, the learning experiences that that really made us who we are today. Next, the shank bone, the zeroah, symbolizes the sacrificial system fulfilled by Jesus in the crucifixion, the absence of the broken bones. Remember, not one bone would be broken. And that was the case of the Passover lamb. And it parallels the Gospels where Jesus' bones, not one bone was broken on Jesus. The cup of redemption, the third cup of the Passover is known as the cup of redemption, and it symbolizes the blood of the lamb on the doorposts in Exodus 
Again, just that visual of them putting the blood of the lamb over the door and it, it causing death not to hit that house. And the blood of the lamb, Jesus, the final lamb to be slain, the blood that was shed for all of our redemption. Death has no sting. Death passes us over. We don't experience eternal death, but eternal life through Christ. And that is a absolute type and shadow and fulfillment through Jesus. The haste of the meal, which the Passover had to be eaten, reflects the urgency of Jesus' mission, right? Didn't have much time, three years. And ultimately, as we'll see in Matthew chapter 28, sent them out with a great commission to go ahead and do what? To reach as far into the known inhabited world as possible to try to save as many as possible before the destruction of the temple. And as we all know, the gospel has continued and has impacted this world to where I will say this, the world is better today than it was then. And if we, the church, would stand up, it will continue to get better. I'm not going to rehash everything we've talked about, but I just it, it burns me up inside when Christians look at the evil in the world and believe that these things must happen. No. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of me and you. These things must, don't have to happen. We can extinguish every fire of the enemy. Amen? So, ultimately... What I wanted to get out of this study here, okay? I mean, there's more that I can go into, right? The, um, the, the, the four cups of wine, the promise of redemption, the deliverance, culminate. I don't want to, you know, downplay that at all. But when we study the Last Supper tomorrow, as Jesus, you know, drinks and eats to the, the new covenant, we realize that his blood shed. He was the only one that could usher in a new covenant between man and God. And it's done. It's done. So when we even get together for, for communion, when we get together, when we break bread with one another, it's done in celebration. Because when Jesus said on the cross that it is finished, it is finished. It's finished. And this is how I want to end here, okay? Is that these Israelites came together in remembrance of where they came from. And even then, there was a greater glory that was fulfilled through Jesus that we can celebrate today. So if you're out there, and we go back to the concept of Judas— God didn't, I, there wasn't, judgment didn't come down on Judas. Regret killed Judas. I'll say it again. I believe with every fiber of my being that Judas could have repented. He could have absolutely repented. He could have been the uh, Apostle Paul writing all of the New Testament. It's so much, I mean, again, we can only speculate. But Judas wasn't outside of the realm of forgiveness. So why do you think that you're outside of the realm of forgiveness? The only thing that you can do to hold yourself back is to sit and dwell in regret 
instead of remembering what happened. And that's where I think one of the most powerful, you know, stories to come out of the, the Passover meal is they got together and they, res- they brought up a time that was so difficult in the lineage of Israel. But what the Passover meal is, it's a celebration of where God has brought them from. And if you're listening within the sound of my voice and you may be in the thick of it right now or you may be dwelling very much on, on the failures and the bondages and the things that happened in the past, and God doesn't want you dwelling on those things and beating yourself up. He wants you to realize that he has delivered you. If you have breath in your lungs today, he is not done with you yet. He's not. So what it's really about is putting yourself at the table with Jesus to celebrate. And we are post-crucifixion and post-resurrection and post-fulfillment of the complete transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. How much more do we even have to celebrate today walking in freedom? So that's my prayer for you today that you realize that God doesn't want you in bondage. And the fact that you made it through all the things that you made it through in your life is proof positive of that. So I pray that you embrace that today. And you thank him. And if you've never made the decision to really follow Jesus, just do that today. Because all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just say, Jesus, I accept the gift of salvation today. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose for me. I love you. Say, today I declare my freedom from bondage. And I celebrate that you are a Lord that's faithful to deliver me out of the wilderness. Let this be a year where you allow yourself to get delivered out of the bondages in your life and to walk in the freedom that is Christ. Amen? And we're here for you. We want to walk with you. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church. I pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Check us out at SOH.Church. If you need anything, just reach out right there. And you're listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study, where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word, and then what? We head out. Head out today and do something amazing for Christ's sake. I love you guys. Have an awesome day. We're going to continue with Matthew chapter 26 tomorrow.